Welcome to Within Us Podcast. This is episode 63, all about increasing your creative capacity with singer, songwriter, producer, musician, author, and joy coach, Sam Glazer. Welcome to the show. My name is Ozzy Jankovic, lifetime educator and entrepreneur. Every week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to move forward in your purpose-driven life and business. Thank you for spending your time with me. I'm so excited about our guest today. He is absolutely incredible. He has been a friend of the family now for many years, and his soulful music has become part of the fabric of Jewish life in communities worldwide. He has been named one of the top 10 Jewish performers in the U.S. by Moment Magazine. He is equally comfortable behind a grand piano in an intimate solo concert, leading his eight-piece band or headlining with a full orchestra. He typically performs in synagogues and Jewish community centers. He's also appeared at venues such as LA's Greek Theater, Gibson Amphitheater, Staples Center, and Dodger Stadium, as well as on Broadway and at the White House. He has concertized worldwide. Did I say that right? Concertized? Throughout Australia, Asia, Europe, and the Middle East. He has written, ready for this, thousands and thousands of songs. And today in this episode, you are going to learn how to amp up your creativity and tap into the creative flow just like Sam does. So not only has he been producing other musicians, writing and producing his own music now for decades, but he's also delved into the connection between creativity and joy and how we increase both of those things in our lives. He is now a two-time guest on the show. In the first episode, we delved into his book, The Joy of Judaism. And the principles that he gave over in terms of the joy of Judaism are so incredibly beautiful. And, And really what Sam shares about Judaism and joy are universal principles, no matter your background, no matter your religious affiliation, there is a lot of joy you can tap into just by being around Sam Glazer, trust me. So whether you consider yourself a creative or joyful person, or you're interested in becoming more creative and more joyful, this is really the episode for you. Before we introduce Sam and bring him on the show, I want to let all of you know about a really exciting opportunity. If you are female and you are an entrepreneur and you're interested in growing your creativity, growing in joy, and also growing your business, I have a potential opportunity for you. I have a mastermind, an incredible group of purpose-driven female entrepreneurs that meets every single month. We do monthly meetings for support, accountability, inspiration, and of course, some networking. And we also have an incredible array of build your business bonuses, where I bring in all sorts of inspirational guests to help you with things like getting more comfortable on camera, increasing your visibility, creating inspiring and exciting content, upping your social media presence, marketing, branding, and so much more. 
I have an application available online for you if you are interested in a mastermind. And if you've experienced or tasted the loneliness that can come with entrepreneurship, I'll tell you, you are not alone. When I first started my entrepreneurial journey a few years back, I discovered very quickly that there was no teacher's lounge for me to go to and share my struggles, share my inspiration, share my successes. It just wasn't available. I missed that teacher's lounge. And so I have created the leadership lounge for entrepreneurs. It was a bit of a happy accident when I started bringing entrepreneurs together to help one another. And we quickly realized after a few weeks that, hey, all of this getting together and setting goals and holding ourselves accountable is really making measurable differences in our businesses. And that's when the mastermind was born. So we are accepting applications now. It is a group now of over 40 women and growing, and I am excited to invite you to apply to join us. You can visit my website, drozzy.co backslash rise mastermind. That's R-I-S-E mastermind, M-A-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D. We definitely rise by lifting one another up. I look forward to receiving your application and you will hear from me directly once you apply. Incredible. With nothing further, it is my absolute honor and pleasure to introduce you to the one and only Sam Glazer. Thank you, Sam Glazer, for joining me here today. I'm so excited about this conversation because you are awesome, first of all. We've known each other a long time now. And we were actually just having this pre-chat conversation about how you have been in this space and you've been creative and you're creative on the stage. You're an acclaimed musician, singer, performer, producer, author. And this is something you've been doing for a very, very long time. So we're going to get all into creativity, what it is. And I also want to get into the topic of do you think that this is genetic? Is this something you were born with? Is this something that you learned? And how can you help other people to become creative? How can we get past whatever blocks we have and start creating the thing that we're thinking about and that we're planning? So we're going to get into all of that. I am so happy that you were here with me today. It's so Thank cool. Thank you. So awesome. So Sam, Tell us, where do you want to start? Because I know that this is a topic that is very near and dear to you. And maybe we should start out by talking about how creativity became so important to you. What is creativity? How do you even define it? Let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. When you read, you begin with ABC. When you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi. So from the beginning, I don't know where it came from. My dad isn't necessarily a super creative guy, but he was a businessman in the garment business. And he had to come up with great ways to make money selling clothing to America. And he also played the trumpet. So there was a little something there. My mom is a pianist and a singer. And our Friday night dinners, we were not raised Orthodox. That was something that happened later to me in my 20s. 
our Friday night dinners, we had Shabbat and my dad would make Kiddush and he would give us a blessing. And then after dinner, which was always delicious and with all of our extended family, like my aunts and uncles would be there too. We would all go to the Steinway piano and sing the rest of the night. Wow. So creativity always had sort of a musical output for me and also creative writing and being able to express myself that way. So I always had an imperative of creating. This is so beautiful. So you were raised around a piano. You were Mm -hmm. raised singing and writing and sharing. And I'm so curious about that moment around the piano. Mm -hmm. There you are with your brothers and your parents. Mm -hmm. And what was the feeling? Was there an excitement about playing and singing? Was there any fear? Was there stage fright? What was that atmosphere like for you? I think I wanted to show off and was really excited about the music just had its own energy. Mm. It was just something, just think about your favorite band and imagining that you get to see them live on stage. And there's just a few people in the audience. You just happen to get that ticket to the Troubadour and that band is playing right there. That's how music always was for me. And I loved the inventors of music. I really related to the whole composing process. And I actually knew, even though I was only like three and four years old, like who wrote what song? Like I was aware that that song was Rodgers and Hammerstein. I was a Beatles fan in 1965, just because I remember when that Beatles 65 album came out, I was born in 62. That was my album, even though my mom thought it was hers. I was only three. So you grew up on music. You grew up where creativity was just the way of being in your home. Right. And I didn't even know that that was unusual. And when I started writing poetry, because my third grade teacher assigned us poems to write, I just thought everyone had music attached to their poetry. I thought that was normal. So I never really expressed it, but I just kept writing poems because it was just sort of a natural thing to me. And I didn't realize that these were called lyrics, actually because they were attached to music. And at one point, my mom tried to put them to music. And I'm like, Mom, that's not how it goes. And I was seven, and I started writing songs at that age. So that creativity was always a part of me. And always sort of- writing songs when you were seven. Correct. How does someone even get started with that? Is this something that you learned formally? Did you just sit down and- Some people are able to go on a pogo stick naturally. Some people can ride a unicycle. Some people are stretchy and can do ballet real easily. I just could sing and make music. It was just natural and normal. Wow. So that was my avenue of expression. But the ability to make music or to think musically didn't necessarily mean that I had the mechanics to get music into the world. That's what I think holds creative people back. Because I think most creative people don't just suddenly set out and say, well, I'm going to be creative today. They have some interest like painting or sculpture or origami or something that they love as their personal expression. And they love doing it. And it's a hobby that they take on. But many people hesitate to bring it to market, sometimes because it just seems illogical to try to make money at that or they don't want to taint the purity of the process. And some people just do it for six months and then they're done. So someone has a desire to paint something or write something, write a book, write a song. And then there's a lot that goes on between that initial inspiration and actually putting the thing into the world. 
And you're saying that it can be anything from a doubt that this is like financially feasible yes, or even some kind of fear or block, would you say in this process? Yes, there are a lot of blocks to creativity. I actually was hired by Steven Spielberg's foundation to teach creativity in the LA public schools. That is so exciting. Yeah, it was really cool. And I went to a majority of special needs schools and continuation schools, like in high school when people don't quite graduate 12th grade. I remember one of them was Hamilton High, which was in our neighborhood, mm-hmm. your old neighborhood. Yep, LA. And I was pretty shocked to see the intensity of the various characters in this room of people who really did not want to be there. And I was sort of like the joke class that they had to sit through. These kids were so lucky. They were so lucky. (laughs) Well, they didn't know what hit them. But at one point, I had them all make and design instruments. Wow. It could be anything they wanted. And I taught them techniques to make kazoos and percussion instruments and string instruments and things like that. And I told them, you can go home and make anything, but you have to come to the next class next week with an instrument. And some of them really took this seriously. And some of them blew it off, but I brought a basket full of drums for those that blew it off. So then we all took instruments and we just made a lot of noise. How was that? Some people were afraid to shake things and others were totally going crazy because they wanted to get a lot of attention. And then I taught them how to impose order on a process. And that is the only way to make music. How to impose order on a process. Okay, so... Let's walk through this because this is new for me. Okay. So it has to do a lot with our fundamentals as Jews and how we operate. Because what are we doing? We're waking up every morning. Like I just finished wrapping tefillin. It's morning here. And we read this book called the Sidur, which is based on the Seder of prayer, the order of prayer. Or when it's Pesach time, our great sages of the Mishnah took us through a 15-step Seder or order to get us in a perfect process from link to link, through the whole 15 steps. Like an outline of all the different steps to retell a story. There's an order that it goes in. There's an order in the prayer book. Right. So that gets us 90% of the way there as creatives is that one thing to know that we're in a process that it's called perfect process. In other words, there's no such thing as perfection within humanity. We strive for perfection. Only the angels are perfect. We're in perfect process. Okay. This is so interesting and so timely because I just had a conversation with a fascinating woman who's an expert in her field and she wants to write a book. And she told me that there's just something that seemed to be getting in her way. Right. And I asked her, I said, were you a straight A student in school? And she nodded her head. Mm Mm-hmm. And in my mind, there's such an attachment to perfection that happens. I mean, I know that I fought this a little bit in my own creative process, like thinking I needed to write a perfect book or make a perfect fill in the blank. But you're saying, no, you're saying it's about knowing that there's a process. Is it not even about the thing? I mean, how do we even start making sense of like, what is a process? How do we embrace that? How do we even look at that when it comes to writing music or writing a book, Sam? It's about the process. The it's not about the, process. the thing. When your kids are little and they understand perfect process and you tell them you're going to the park and you've got to walk three blocks to Circle Park, 
but there are so many cool things because some neighbors got a sprinklers on and another there's a snail crawling across his driveway and then this neighbor has rosemary which smells really interesting and then mm. this neighbor has amazing garden of roses and this neighbor has a cat that sits out in front of her house and just is begging to be pet the kid gets that you may never get to the park and it doesn't matter so as a knuckleheaded parent you may like no no no, come on we're on the way to the park Taking a walk with Sam Glazer has to be the most fun thing to do on any Sunday afternoon, no matter what park you're, because you get it. It's like, you're noticing the beauty that all of the senses, you're noticing the cat, you're noticing the rosemary. Right. And if the kid is noticing it, I am interested in what they're noticing, right? Because I'm Mm -hmm. right with them, noticing that stuff. Kids get it. We lose our child as we grow up. And we say as adults, my creativity is not important. I don't have time for it. We don't acknowledge it anymore. We brush it aside. And it becomes, unfortunately, now that we're coming into a new year of 2021, it becomes one of those things that we just never get to. No, no. Oh, well, it's in my bucket list. At some point, I'm going to buy some oil paints. At some point, I'm going to write poetry. And we don't take it seriously. So yeah, trying to be perfect is a big block and understanding that we have perfect process and it's just about the getting there that's important. So um, enjoying that journey. I love this metaphor that if getting to the park is the goal, right? Like writing the song or writing the book is the goal. What's happening along the way? We don't want to miss it. Right. Don't miss out because life is what's happening along the way. Mm. That's what we're so missing. So good. That's what's happening. So good. I know that you've worked with so many creatives because not only are you a performer and a singer and you've been on so many stages so fearlessly. I mean, it looks like so fearlessly. This is something that you actually help people with to tap Mm -hmm. into creativity. I do. Well, my book, The Joy of Judaism, not that I'm making a shameless plug, but it's... Plug the book. Thank you. So I hope that becomes required reading for not only Jewish people, but all sorts of people who are interested in spiritual growth. But I try to express that this book is here only because I engage in perfect process. Perfect process. And I had to get over my fear of looking like an idiot or not having enough degrees to write the book. Or who am I to be a spokesperson on anything? And once I wrote it, I started a joy coaching business, which I didn't anticipate I was going to do either. Because people started coming to me like, I am dour, I'm depressed, I have all these things I want to do in my life, I'm not doing anything. So I became what, I don't know if it's a real thing, but I became a joy coach. Yeah. It is now. And I'm telling you, you are the perfect person to do this, and I want everyone to know that. Okay, okay so how so many anyway, years ago is this now? The book came out two years ago, a year and a half ago. Oh, it's so amazing. Now. Sam is where the party is. I have seen your family videos and I will tell everyone who's going to listen to this <laughs> that you literally just the fun follows you. Like if Sam comes over to my house to visit, my kids know there's a mad game of hide and go seek happening. And who knows what else? There's always fun. And you know, you came on the podcast last time. We talked all about joy. I cannot talk about it enough. And I think right now, the fact that you're coaching people on joy could not be more timely. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's so awesome. So can we talk about that for a minute in terms of just this time that we're all in and like, how do we even, how do we do that? What does that even look like? So 
this time that we're in now is just another time in our lives. Mm -hmm. It's just another, hopefully, really great time in our lives. It's a different time in our lives. Our circumstances are different. You in Israel went into another lockdown as of today. Us here in LA, we've been in it for a while. People don't take it terribly seriously, but we are in one. And it's, we've been in an incredible year. It's not a horrible year. No need to be pejorative about it. It's an incredible year. It's forced people together with their families for good or for bad. It's done wonders for a lot of people's relationships. It's done wonders for a lot of people's businesses. Not mine. I sing for a living. It's interesting you say that because I remember when this started and you sent an email out to your list and your emails are always amazing. And you said it was Black Thursday. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. Black Thursday that everything got canceled and it was like a major, major shift. Huge upheaval. But I'm seeing like the mantra on the web right now is we hated 2020. We want it to be over as soon as possible, and we want to be in this new year. Well, we also feel like there's this idea when New Year's comes around for the Jewish people in Rosh Hashanah, let the curses and let the new year and its blessings begin. We mm. do say that. I love that. energy. But I think every year on this planet, as one of my friends says, every year, every day that your feet can touch the cold stone floor when you wake up in the morning, if you can wake up and say, Mode ani lefanecha, I'm grateful. Grateful am I. These are not bad times. There are no bad times. As I've heard it said, there are good times and very good times. Mm. These are very good times. Good times are normal good times, like birthdays and things like that. Very good times are times when you're challenged. Because we become who we are through challenge. Think we become who we are challenge. when we're challenged. We'd walk out of a movie with no plot. It'd be terrible. It'd be embarrassing. Right. No conflict. The conflict is what makes the story. Right. And conflict breeds creativity. To bring it right back. Conflict breeds creativity. This is so fascinating. So when I think about 2020, I think about how people were freed from distractions, right? So many people came face to face with families and really noticing themselves. And then from there, it seems to me that the next natural step is now that I'm clear on who I really am, what do I want to make? What do I want to even do? Right. Right? Yeah. That's 2021 to me. That's what next year is going to be all about. Right. So let this be the unleashing of all of that pent-up energy. I just worry that it will be, for some people, more of the same. Because they're looking for external stimuli mm. to create their joy. They're looking for better mm-hmm. circumstances or a better job or different relatives to have to be locked down with. Like I'll have some change or I'll do something and that'll make me happy. Yeah. And you're saying that's not it. Make me happy? No, it's a wellspring that bubbles up from within you. Mm. And it comes from your self-esteem. It comes from tikkun midot, from working on your character traits from growing, from taking those steps you need to take, which is what we were talking about earlier with Perfect Process. Like my book, for example, that book got written because I forced myself. I was on the elliptical trainer next to the publisher of Moment Magazine, this really nice guy who I was friends with 
lived in Maryland. So anytime I was in his area, because I do shows there frequently, I'd often stay with him because he had this huge, wonderful mansion that I loved. And we were working out next to each other in a hotel where I was doing a conference, concert at a conference. And he said, you know, Sam, your music, I've never seen such a wide berth of Jews enjoy one person's music. In other words, Reformed conservative wow. Orthodox. So he was commenting on that. And he says, you know, you have an influence on the clergy of so many denominations that you need to write. And I said, well, I already do write. And he goes, no, you need to write like regularly things to inspire their communities. So I thought, all right, I could do that. And I already put out my newsletter. So I just supplemented my newsletter with a really long 2,500 word essay, which each one was a chapter. And I laid out a master plan of what are the 70 things I want to give over to make the world a more joyous place. That's so beautiful. That question alone, what do I want to give over? And then having the courage to get past all of that chatter. And it's interesting to hear that you went through this process, the whole, who am I to do this? Maybe I don't have the right degree or all of that chatter, that stuff. You went through that. Right. So I really had to fight with myself to get it wow. done. And the way I won that battle every month was because I have a mailing list. When you have a 10,000 person mailing list, constant contact raises your rate a hundred bucks a month. Now you think, okay, a hundred bucks a month, big deal. But damn it, if I was spending a hundred bucks a month, I was going to write my essay. I was going to get the newsletter out. I was never going to sleep through a month. You, now really you're tempting. accountable. Now you're accountable. Because life, life comes and goes and it's like you're too busy to do it. And I did it on airplanes and I wrote and I edited intensely and I really took it seriously because I was spending the money on constant contact. So I needed some external stimuli to force me to get it done. So sometimes we need to impose some sort of neder or some sort of mm. vow on our process. Mm -hmm to make it happen. That's so good. You know, it, it's something that I've heard from coaching clients too, that when they pay, right, they pay, they pay attention. It's not even about how amazing your joy coach is. It's that you invested yourself, your energy, right. your money. Right. Or like if I'm doing a gig and some big benefactor spent the money to bring me in, I still insist that the venue cover the sound system or my flight or whatever. Because they're invested in. They have to be invested. Yeah. You have to invest. You have to invest. That's really in interesting. You have to spend money on yourself. So we know we have to give 10% of our money to charity. How about 10% of your money to yourself, to your own Ooh. goals, to those little knickknacks that you kind of want on Amazon or the paint or whatever? You have to invest in yourself. And one mm -hmm. thing that we had discussed before coming on that I loved was I had said something to you like, I see my clients come in my studio. Sometimes they're begging to get their music out there and there's the blocks and they keep coming by and they may start the project, but they don't finish it. Or they may get almost there and then they run out of money or they are ready to finish their album and they haven't done the vocals and they come in the vocal booth and they can't sing. Really? Frogs in their throat or something's wrong. It's like major psychosomatic. Really? I believe it. Yeah. This is real courage. Yeah. So they're just throttle themselves. And I believe that. And I've told them, unless you get this voice out of you, unless you get this creative 
thing out of your being, it will fester. Mm. And you gave me that quote, which I actually looked up, which is creativity. The urge to create is not benign. It metastasizes. Mm -hmm. That is such a truth. I've witnessed it in my, I run a recording studio where I'm making albums, thank God, on a semi full-time basis. And in COVID, it sort of became my only thing. And I'm watching it over and over again. And a lot of people tried to use COVID to make it happen, but they're still blocked. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, So Sam, what do you do? First of all, there's a question that comes up for me of like, why is it so important to create? Why is it so important to get that thing out? And what happens to someone if they don't? What does that even look like? Well, it's not important for everyone. Some people don't need to create. Some people really enjoy creation and love to watch other people create. Some people as mothers feel like they have had their moment of creation and creating these beautiful children is their raison d'etre. That's all they need to do in life. And some people are just business people and are perfectly fine with sort of a matter of fact. So not everybody has this deep-seated need, this tikkun, this healing that needs to be expressed. But those that have that voice must express the voice. Mm. There's really no way out. It will bother you to the grave. It'll bother you. So do you find that the people who come to you now, like they're engaging in the creative process. It's not like they've completely closed the door. They're ignoring it. They're trying, but they're struggling. What are they suffering with? before they're able to get it out into the world and really give birth to their creation. It's kind of like a hangnail that's kind of bothering you all day. And until you take your clippers to it, it's just going to bother you. It's going to get caught in your sweater. It's just going to get worse. You got to deal with it in life. Things just get worse. If you've got Mm -hmm. an infected cut, you've got to put Neosporin on your cut. Mm. Or you're going to be in the doctor's office taking antibiotics. God forbid things become gangrenous. Yeah, I hear all of this. And I definitely went through it myself. Briefly, I'll just tell you that when I was writing different ideas down as like a hobby, I was thinking, I don't need to share it. What do I need to share this for? I'm writing it for myself. And it was actually my doctor, Dr. Schiller, who's a functional medicine doctor who had a hard look at me. And he said, what are you living for? You have something to share. It's for other people. And right. it was all the stuff came up. Who am I? I'm not a rabbi. I don't know enough. I don't right. have the right degree. Like it was fear that was holding me back. And what was so incredible about noticing that was that, you know, I, and then I could do something about it. It's like a wake up. It's a total transformation. Once you realize maybe the reason why you want to write that song is because you can make the world more beautiful. Maybe that's it. But I have a feeling that for most creatives, it's less altruistic. Really? It's more like I've got this rock in my shoe. Wow. I got to get this damn rock out of my shoe. And the piece of sand becomes a pearl in an oyster, right? It doesn't work that way for us. We have the opposite. It just keeps grinding away. It doesn't become a pearl until we acknowledge it, until we deal with it. It metastasizes. It, that's mm-hmm. real. That's real. So we need to write our own eulogy. We need to discuss what do I want out of life? What do I want people to say about me? What is going to be Ooh, this is so good. my funeral? 
and write it out. Write out ideally what you want your children to say about you. Gosh, it's so powerful. What do you want? What an amazing activity to do at the end of 2020 to really sit down. How much time do we have? One of my friends died last week. My age, a pure, a vivacious, so much life and fun. And we really don't know. Do you really think you have forever to get this idea that's burdening you? Do you think God gave you that idea to do whatever it is that you want to do by accident? Is it random? Are you uniquely qualified to get that out? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And until you do, until that idea is shrink-wrapped, to use an antiquated phrase back when we had CDs, but until that idea is out there for people to enjoy, creativity is not something that we are just keeping for ourselves. And you may just share it with your family, but it's got to be out there. It's got to be out there. Apart from you. And I love that, that you said you can just share it with your family. Like even just share it with one person. Yeah, you're just giving birth to something. Mm. It's not for them. It's for you. If it changes everyone, like Paul McCartney and John Lennon were writing for the world, for everybody. And there might have been some selfishness in it. But if there was really ego involved, we would have known it. We would have heard it because we hear truth. And we know that's why they say it rings like truth, like a bell. Rings like truth. It's fascinating. You you know, that's a 440 and it rings in your ear and it sounds so beautiful. Oh, give me more truth. Music is truth. It's just physics. Music is just physics. I love it so much. This is such an incredible episode. Let's just take a quick break for a few ads. These ads are not what you're used to hearing. They are very special. They are uniquely about my program and my students. So let's dive in. I shared with you in the introduction of this episode that I have an incredible mastermind for purpose-driven female entrepreneurs. Did you know that I also have a course creation incubator called the Legacy Lab? It opens three times a year. Right now, I am in the midst of our first 2021 cohort, and these women are doing incredible things. They are launching YouTube channels, courses on American Sign Language, glass blowing, video creation, social media management, and so much more. If you have thought about creating a course, or if you think that course creation is in your near future as your full-time entrepreneurial endeavor, or even as a side hustle or as an extra product to add to your current business, Legacy Lab is definitely worth considering. We are not open quite yet. We're not gonna be open for a few months, but I highly encourage you to hop on the wait list. You can do that at drazi.co. That's D-R-A-Z-I.co backslash legacy lab and you can hop on the wait list now and you'll be the very first to hear about all enrollment opportunities as they arrive in the coming late spring beyond that i want to share with you a really really cool resource if you haven't downloaded it yet my dear friend past podcast guest and best-selling author vitality coach Hannah Mason has a book for you. I have read this book. I have reread this book. And I have to tell you, 
that if ever I'm feeling stuck on a thought or I'm feeling some sort of uncomfortable emotional response, and I think that it could be worth checking into my thoughts and double checking what's going on right now. Is this thought getting me stuck? Am I stuck in my own mind? I will open her book, Hold That Thought. Hold That Thought is available to you as a free digital download exclusively by visiting drazi.co backslash hold. That's drazi.co backslash H-O-L-D. Not only will you get a digital copy for free of Hana's incredible book, Hold That Thought, you will also find out about a very exciting brand new course that Hana is teaching. So I encourage you to go check that out. And I look forward to hearing from you when you do. It's a really exciting book. With nothing further, let's get back to today's episode with Sam Glazer. So talk to us for a moment about how you can help people who are looking to be more creative, if they're looking for more joy or more music. What do you have going on right now, Sam? And how can you help our listeners? All right. So I've already done so much just by being here. I want you to know that. Oh, good. I hope so. Just so much discussion. And we've gone on, I think, about a dozen tangents. And it's great. That's the way good conversation should be. And another thing that's good about this format, this Zoom format that's live, is that you're sort of forced into depth immediately. So Mm. much of our day-to-day is in superficiality. What did you eat today? Did you do your homework? Tell me about your mother. Whatever you schmooze with people about, but then you go deep after a couple hours. And this forces, especially when you're talking to somebody as deep as Dr. Ozzy. It's a pleasure. You're you're immediately launched uh, into depth. My whole being right now is feeling so inspired. I feel so fun. I'm totally energized by this. It's so awesome. And in the last year or so, I work with women and I help female entrepreneurs to create more. And whether it's like a business or changing their business or creating a course or a program, there's a lot of resistance and fear that comes up for so many people. And I relate and I get it. And at the same time, I work really hard to push people along because I think it matters. I think it really, really matters. So this topic is very near and dear to me. So I'm going to just read from a list of techniques. I won't look at my notes too much, but we've already discussed a few. Namely, if you're an artist, create whatever you're going to create. If you're a writer, you've got to write. If you're a painter, you have to paint. You have to just do Do it. Do the thing. Do the thing. Stop talking about it. Yeah, just start doing it. And Sam, is there an amount of time every day, like somebody's busy, they're in the routine of whatever it is that they normally do. And they keep telling themselves, I don't have time. I don't have time. Is there like a minimum that they can just sort of set aside and try it? Well, it's different for everyone, but the key phrase that you just mentioned is set aside. When we Mm. come into Shamayim at the end of 120 years, when we leave our mortal coil, one of the questions we're asked according to our sages, is did you set aside time to learn Torah? Mm. Because we have to set the time aside or it never happens, Mm. right? Just like I made a monthly goal with constant contact. That was a monthly goal. So some people are able to do it daily. Some people are able to do it weekly. It's different for everyone. 
But you should know that if you've gotten to the next Shabbat, for us Jewish people, when Friday night comes, when the sun hits the horizon, if you haven't accomplished something in the realm of creativity, you are deficient. And you should not feel 100%. You should feel it in your kishkas. And you have to double your resolve. Now you know what you're doing Saturday night. Right, because you've got you're to playing be music, you're getting out your paintbrushes, you're typing right. your manuscripts. Right. So everybody's got their thing. For men in the Jewish world, like in my 20s, I started rapping to fill in in the morning. That was a major thing. I came back from an Israel program, not religious, but inspired. And this guy on my program said, Hey, Sam, you are a deeply spiritual person. I said, I don't know who you're talking about. He goes, No, you are. <laughs> And you have to concretize this every morning with something. Do something just to remember your trip to Israel. Remember what you've been feeling here. So mm. why are you telling me this? He says, because in every conversation with the secular Israelis on our composing program, you always take the religious side of the argument. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. I go, no. He goes, well, you did. You feel godliness. It's part of you. You're inspired. Where do you think that inspiration comes from? I said, I don't know. He says, okay, well, do something when you get home. Do you like, you ever learn Torah? Eh, not really, because do you have tefillin? I admitted I got some for my bar mitzvah. Anyway, he taught me to put them on, told me to put them on. I went home and I started putting them on. So we all have our thing. So if that works for you, if you're a guy listening to this, maybe after you're done davening, also set aside 20 minutes to write or to do whatever you do creatively. And that could be part of your morning ritual. And it's got to happen in a quiet place that you've designated as your own because environment is crucial. So give yourself the Zen Den that you need. You need a Zen Den. Yes, excellent. <laughs> to do the excellent. thing. And then I love the idea of actually putting it on the calendar right. and saying like, this is my non-negotiable time to create. Exactly. Like my daughter, Sarah, who you must get to know because she made Aliyah two years ago and loves her being in Israel. And she's got a guy she's very serious about now and like all that oh. stuff. OMG, be still my beating heart. Your little daughter. <laughs> I just talked to her last night. Oh man, things are getting serious, freaking me out. And being far away and being in the middle of this Corona thing. Oh, what a mm -hmm. disaster. Anyway. Um, You're still joyful. I'm so joyful and we may miss the engagement is what it means. Wow. So it's hard. But anyway, when she moved out, my wife made her room her Zen den. It right. was bright blue, like kind of a cerulean blue wall that my daughter chose. And my wife made it like this subtle, like grayish lavender and changed <laughs> all the decor. And like, it's all lit really nicely now. And it's my wife's Zen den. Oh, how's that? Crazy, I find her in there just chilling. Oh. Can't bother her in the Zen den for me. I mean, you're looking at my man cave here. This is my recording studio oh, behind wow. my house where I can come express and get inspired to write a song and I want to make a lot of noise in the middle of the night. I can just come jam. Is that what happens for you? You write your songs in the middle of the night? Well, I write them when I'm sleeping. I know that sounds weird, but I write my Wait, songs in my sleep. Can we talk about this? No, just it's this weird. Not, no, because I'll tell you why I'm asking. Okay. Two nights ago, I said consciously, I talked to this woman who's like an expert on dreams. Okay. And she said, before you go to sleep at night, yeah, say out loud, I want to remember my dreams. I yeah. want to be conscious of my dreams. 
So I started doing it two nights ago. Okay, two nights in, I wake up with the title of a book and a whole entire outline. I got myself a new journal. I wrote it down. I'm telling you, it came to me in my sleep. It sounds crazy, but it's real, yeah. right? Right, it's real. You can ask for anything. Okay, this is so you can amazing. Ask for anything. Prayer works <laughs> in general. An earnest prayer before you say the Shema at night when you're about to go mm -hmm. to sleep. An earnest prayer, please God, make my back start hurting. Please, God, I need a new song for a score I'm writing. Please, God, give me the words to counsel someone who is mm. so blocked. I just need the words. I just need an idea of how to unlock them. Mm. Those oh my gosh. I'm telling you, they get answered. So I get these songs in the middle of the night. They're usually because I'm dreaming and there's music in the dream, which I'm imagining other people have too, but I can hold on to it. In other words, I come to consciousness just enough to realize, okay, I'm in dream state, and that's a new song. That's my realization. Okay, so you got the song, and then what do yeah. you do? Do you go straight to your studio, and 3 a.m., you're just recording I your... sometimes, but what I do normally is I just sing it. It used to be an MP3 recorder, and now it's just my handy iPhone here. I just go into the bathroom, and I quietly sing it into my machine. And I'm hearing the whole song. In other words, I'm not just like getting an idea for the song, but I'm hearing the song. Do you understand? Like the song completed. Wow. So then I have to sing in the bass part and the drum part and whatever the strings are doing. And a general idea of the lyrics, the lyrics are not exact, but the whole song is realized. Like verse, chorus, the bridge, the intro, the outro. I know the whole song. This is like mind blown. How many songs have you written, Sam? I write them every few days. And I'm 58 years old as of last week. You write songs every few days? Yes. And you have them all recorded? I don't know how many songs I've written. I've written- That's like tens of thousands of songs. It's thousands of songs. So that's another problem in the creative process is what do you do with <sighs> excess creativity? What do you do with all this stuff? And that creates another block, which is I have so much inventory, I can't even begin. Right, like how do you even organize that? So yeah. the way I organized it in the past was I make albums. So I pick the best songs that fit a theme, record 12 to 14 songs, and that would be my album. And I'd make that my offering of the year, but there were hundreds of songs written that year. Unbelievable. Like the best of. And unfortunately, now that streaming's taken over, not to bellyache about that, but it doesn't pay the artists. If you think mm. they're not getting paid, such a small fraction, it's like, a thousand new fans used to mean like if they bought a CD, I make 10,000 bucks. Yep. Right. And then with the iTunes model, I'd make a thousand dollars because it was a 99 cents per song thing. Mm. And in streaming, I can not even buy a cup of coffee. Oh my goodness. So that's where we're at now. So it's like, what do I do? That method has failed me. So I have five unreleased albums now. Wow. I don't know what to do with all this stuff. And I'm recording it, like fully recorded, spending the money on it with my band, studio time, paying people. So that's my block. It makes sense. It needs sustenance. It needs to be sustained in order to reach the world and get exactly. wings to fly. So I'm thinking that what I need is a sugar daddy or something like that to give me incentive to release these songs weekly and make a mm. video for each song because the world's consuming music mostly on YouTube. Oh, yeah, I love that. You know, it's funny you mention it because my son watches Blippy. Have you ever heard of Blippy? No. Sam Glazer. Okay, Blippy's a guy who's like my age, 
40, I don't know, maybe younger, 30. And okay. he wears suspenders and a hat with one of those little twirly things on top. Okay, I'm writing it down. And he yeah. Just cool stuff. Like he just goes to the zoo and looks at the animals and says cute lines and he sings a little bit. And kids just can't get enough of this stuff. And I feel like this conversation's coming full circle because before we started talking, you were sharing with me how everywhere you go, yeah. kids are magnetized to you. Yeah. It's a little strange. Aaron magnetized. Says, Why is my son telling you everything? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I can definitely see why they would be. But my kids, we used to rock out to your, I want some ice cream. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Your songs are just so amazing. So whatever you do decide, keep us all posted. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. And talk for a minute about this joy coaching and the producing anyone who needs your services. Like what, what do you have going on for us? Okay. So I will do that in a moment, but I wanted to just finish those techniques. Cause I think it's so important to just, Oh, I can talk all day about techniques. So we have perfect process. Yes. Understanding we the have... process and enjoy the way. And it's not about the goal, right? Perfect process. Enjoy the way. We also have this incredibly spiritual one that is praying before you go to sleep and right. be getting conscious of your dreams and what's being given to you while you're sleeping. Exactly. It's Good. making lists making and lists. giving that creativity a very physical order because our brains work really well when there's structure. We have to give sort of a matrix, a lattice work that we can climb up of what we need to do. In other words, goals are so intimidating and a good goal is a difficult to reach goal or it's not really a goal, right? But then we've got to break it down into steps. Mm -hmm. Make those little steps. Make the 15 steps of the Seder. Oh, I love that. Giving it order, giving right. it steps. I teach that in my program, which is creating your proximal steps because it's the only way you're going to feel successful if you feel like you're getting somewhere, right? right? And, and you're you are, saying, put it down on paper, make the list, organize your ideas. Mandatory, write it out. You've got to write it out. Another thing is, if you're a pessimist or a bit of a cynic, you have to view your creativity like an optimist would. So I'm not view saying to become your an optimist. creativity like an optimist would. Okay. Right. A pessimist needs to learn how to view their creativity as an optimist. Talk to me more right. about that. You may not become an optimist overnight. Some people are just either curmudgeonly, they're always looking at what's wrong with the story, the half empty. Oh, yeah. We all know who we are if you're that way, right? So I'm not saying to change that. I'm just saying to look at your problem the way your optimistic friends would. What would your optimistic mm -hmm. friends do? It's a way to trick yourself into being optimistic, to make a long story short. Mm. Right? What would someone optimistic say about this? Exactly. I love you know, that. Real crazy textbook optimists who everything's always great with them. And oh, no, that's not a problem. We can handle it. And what would they do? Christians say, what would Jesus do? Right. So yes. you're going to say, what would an optimist do? What do optimists think? That's the new bracelet. Is you have to suspend judgment. Mm. Judgment does not belong in the creative process. Businessmen, like when I was in business school at the University of Colorado, one of the things we engaged in was extensive brainstorming, where the whole group, we'd meet in groups to solve business problems, would engage in brainstorming with the main rule being you don't have any judgment whatsoever. You can't judge others' ideas and they can't judge yours. Okay, this is one for the books right here. This is one for the books. You, 
So have that creative process, no naysaying, no, what if this doesn't go right? It's all about letting the creative juices flow and being supportive and being encouraging, even in the beginning. Right, exactly. And one of the best techniques to learn how to do that is to take an improv class. Ooh. I'm not an actor, but I took improv. Really? Yeah. And one of the first things you learn, one of the rules of improv is you never say no. You say yes and. Yes. Learn to say yes and to life. Somebody says, I expect you to go to the drugstore. You don't say no. You say, yes, and I'm going to hit the park on the way home (laughs) and go on the damn swing set because it looks fun or whatever. You just say (gasps) yes, and you cannot say no. You have to say yes, and. And then there's an environment of encouragement and people encourage you to do crazy things. That's how Saturday Night Live got started. Really? Second City Improv got started learning this yes and technique. So it's yes and detachment from ideas is another really important thing. You just let them happen. Don't take ownership. Don't think that's lame. Just let it happen. Also, another thing you learn in improv is you don't necessarily go with your first response to something. Try lots of responses. Your first response is just the first response. So if you have an idea how to fix a problem, don't just do that right away. Think of lots of ideas. That's part of the brainstorming thing. Think of lots of ideas. I love that so much, Sam. And you know, what's interesting is the next time I go to do something the way I always have, maybe I'll ask myself, how could I do this differently? Exactly. And then another thing is to do things that are opening the senses. Ooh. Our senses are so sensitive. They can be, right? But how easy is it for people to get out of touch with their senses in the modern world? It's so dull. Our senses are amazing. Wow. Eyes that see, we have ears that hear, we have a nose that smells, a mouth that tastes. You can feel things, texture. Whoa. Oh, my face. I can't feel my face when I'm with you because I love you. Anyway, we have senses that are so alive that we've got to stimulate them. People forget they have senses. So go to an aromatic market, go on a hike, rip off that piece of sage and just hold it and smell it. Mm. You make a blessing over the fragrance so you can Mm -hmm. take this greatness of sensory gifts and bring it to God. But Mm. open your eyes, see something new. So walk a different way home Mm. from work or school or the synagogue or wherever you're walking. Walk a different way home, notice what you notice. Right. And drive give yourself the time to really take it all in, to touch it, to smell it, to see the beauty of one flower. I have a friend who started trying to write with his left hand just to mix it up a little. He found that he had prophecy when he was writing with his left hand. Ozzy, I'm not kidding. Wow. Like you could ask him any question and he would tell you. Wow. Uh, like, wow. I believe it. I believe yeah, so- it. And also another thing about opening your senses is when you do have that amazing dream or whatever, while it's fresh, if you can hold on to it, and if you've asked to hold on to your dream, write it down. Start recording these amazing sensory moments. Mm. Write down how you felt when you were at the base of El Capitan in Yosemite Valley. Mm. Write down that feeling when you got to the ocean and you hadn't been there in a couple months. And what you felt when you saw it. Sit down and write it because you forget. Just the act of writing helps make it concrete in your memory, but it does something else. It brings it out of you, and then it's something you can share. That in and of itself is creative. So beautiful. Um, So good, Sam. Another idea for creativity building, and I know we're getting close on time, but 
Um, you know, I'm so using I, all of these in my next course, by the okay, way. Good, please. I'm so excited about it. Another great thing is collaboration. Now, if you remember, I said you need an environment where you can create on your own. Nothing can substitute that sacred space. And it might be a mountainside if you don't have it, or if your apartment's too small and you've got three roommates, it may be hard to manufacture that, but you can have it. And for some people, it's a cafe where they sit in Starbucks. I don't know how they work there personally, but some people are able to. Some people need to find that mountaintop near their house that they can walk to. I know you can. Mine is an ancient wine press. And next time you're here, I'll take you there. <laughs> yes. But that being said, collaboration is really great. So my writing, 95% of it is on my own. Like I said, it just comes to me. I have collaborators too. I have guys that I like to write with. This is so incredible. And I'll have an idea or they'll have a great verse and they'll need a chorus and that verse will sing to me. I have a client who came into the studio singer songwriter who just writes words and what's her album going to sound like how do you possibly know so i thought she was a jazz singer because i heard her doing a jazz show i brought her in the studio and i said just listen to some youtube videos i want to hear what you like so she had me play metallica nirvana guns and roses evanescence i'm like woman you like things really hard oh yes i do I said, is that the artist you'd really rather be than a jazz singer? She goes, wow. yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> so I said, let wow. me see your poetry. And I read her lyrics and they spoke to me. I was hearing music as I was reading them. And I just sang into a recorder all those things that I got as I was reading them. So that became her album. We were 14 for 14. In other words, every song that I wrote got on the album. Unbelievable. So that's collaboration. That's incredible. And it's hard to find that collaborator. Sometimes they show up in your life and boy, thank God. Other times you might try it with someone who you think might be a good collaborator. It's not clicking. Okay, we tried. And it's true with the writing process. I think 90% of our shows that you see on TV, they're mostly written here in Los Angeles. I would say half the writers are Jews in my neighborhood. And how do they write? They write by being in a room together. Six really smart Harvard types who have a really good sense of humor. And they just bounce ideas. It's like that brainstorming thing. And if you can imagine the ideas bouncing off the walls like ping pong balls. And certain people are hired just to record all the craziness going on in the conversation. That's a phenomenal idea to have someone who's actually observing, right? Like now we have Zoom and so we could do it on yeah, Zoom. And exactly. then you just have the transcript later, right? Yeah, and you can bring it back and look at it. So good. Right? Somebody catching those ping pong balls. When I'm riding with a partner, we keep a tape recorder rolling or a phone these right. days. Because you don't want to just catch it all. You never get the idea back. If I don't record my song, like if I get inspired on the Sabbath when I don't use electronics, it's gone. Mm. I've written Mm. hundreds of songs on Shabbat. Hundreds out of the tens of thousands. They're gone. It's been such an unbelievable conversation. You know, we're going to have to do it again because we could just keep talking. Okay. I'll give the quick plug part. How about that idea? Yes, let's do that. We discussed so much and there's more to discuss and we will, but... I would just urge anyone who would like to, I love when people get in touch and tell me about their creative process and tell me what's going on. It really inspires me. So if you were inspired by this, I'd love to hear about what you're up to. And you can reach me at my website, samglazer.com, samglazer, My email is sam at samglazer.com. You can sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I would love. And it's That's one so more thing in your good. inbox, but it's only once a month. And I still am writing those essays because I got on a good roll and I'm keeping them coming. 
And my new book, The Joy of Judaism, is available on my website and also on thejoyofjudaism.com and on Amazon. And it's 420 pages of ideas on expressing oneself joyously mm. using Jewish spiritual practice as a guide. Mm, so incredible. So that's, and I'm a joy coach now. So I've been doing this privately for people. And thanks to COVID, you know, another thing about COVID is I'm doing Zoom concerts and these Zoom coaching sessions. I don't think I would have jumped into that. I can play for people in the UK. It doesn't matter where people are anymore. So incredible. Sort of a messianic moment when time and space starts really mattering and we can just sort of all be one together. So anyway, that's what I'm doing. And all my music's available on my website. So go listen to some tunes. And mm, This is so good. Thank you so much for this. This Thank has just you. been incredible. Incredible. All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Sababa. What an incredible episode. Every single time I talk to Sam, I feel so lit up. He is always so much fun to talk to and he's inspiring and right? Like, don't you want to just take a walk to the park and stop and check out every single detail along the way to open your eyes and open your heart to the beauty of this world? Sam inspires me every time I listen to him and speak to him. And I'm sure that you are feeling the same way if you're not already taking that walk, right? You've got to check out Sam's work, his songs, his book. All of those things are available by visiting samglazer.com. It's S-A-M-G-L-A-S-E-R.com. And if you check out the show notes, you can also see a link to this interview on YouTube. Yep, that's right. The full episode is on YouTube in video form and you can have a watch over there as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode and spending the time. I would absolutely love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you want to create or what you are creating. So please let's connect. You can find me on Instagram. I'm Ozzy.Jankovic. That's A-Z-I dot J-A-N-K-O-V-I-C on Instagram. And on Facebook, I'm Dr. Ozzy Jankovic, spelled exactly the same way. Connect with me there, send me a direct message and let me know what you're up to. I would love to hear from you and I will respond to every single one of your messages there. If you wanna connect further and you wanna come hang out with me, I have a really great Facebook group. It's called Your Creative Legacy. You can send a join request by visiting drozzy.co backslash community. So we've got lots of ways to connect, whether it's through Instagram, Facebook, or the Facebook group at drozzy.co backslash community. My friends, you are so important to me and it means so much to me that you come back and you listen every single week. So do stay connected. Thank you for being here. And wherever you are in the world, as always, I hope that you are meeting yourself with so much kindness. And I know that you are because you just made the time to listen to this episode and to inspire some creativity and joy into your life and into our world. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time.